Yesterday, the plan of God from the book of Acts, Matthew chapter 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, we know it as the Great Commission. And yet, when we really pull apart the Great Commission, we recognize that you cannot fulfill the Great Commission without also seeing New Testament churches planted as you go. Uh, Baptism is a New Testament church ordinance. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I want you to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So as you go, you have to plant churches so that not only they'll be baptized, but they'll be a part of a a body of believers so that they might be able to learn the truths of the Word of God. So we saw that marvelous plan. Uh, The mission is the Great Commission. And that is true, and it's always been true. We have a missions conference emphasis here this week. But we also saw that God's method in accomplishing the mission is church planting. By the way, if you have an evangelism thrust in a nation without church planting, you might be able to see for a while a fervor. But without that local body where people can be discipled and trained, and grow, you're not going to have a lasting impact. And we're going to see in America what happened with the Great Awakening in contrasting that to really what what we want to uh, look back in history as a a, a great reviving of an entire nation through church planting. And we're going to look at that example here this evening. Jesus said he'd build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus' heartbeat is to see churches multiplied throughout the world, so that the gospel would go forward. We looked at the promise of God. We looked at the power of God and how this is not something that we can do in our own strength, and our own might, uh, that God's in the business of doing that. Ye shall receive power to accomplish the task that God laid before us. We saw his presence. Lo, I am with you always. Every, every church that embarks on this great journey of multiplying itself in a church plant has this promise. God's going to go before you. God's going to do the impossible. God is uh, uh, as excited and more excited than we could ever possibly be about being a part of his passion. We saw from Acts 1 the prayer warriors that were needed to uh, really see this uh, New Testament church move forward from Acts chapter 1, verse number 13. And and we saw a definition that comes back to uh, really doing what this church is doing on a week-by-week basis. It's evangelizing. It's sharing the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ in many different facets, many different ministry opportunities, and reaching uh, really those that are in this community. And as we recognize church planting is evangelism that results ultimately in churches being planted in areas that you're evangelizing. And that's really what's naturally left behind. We saw the key word that God used in my heart, both, uh, from Acts 1.8. That uh, it's not just about our local church in Jerusalem, but God makes it clear that we have to be involved in our Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and uttermost. Um, You, I'm sure, have your missions program here. You have your foreign missionaries that you're supporting, and you're supporting church planters here in Ireland and and, uh, the ministry here in Dublin. Uh, We need to do it all. 
and that's what God says. Now, we left off looking at Acts 1-8, comparing that to Acts 8-1, and we were really contemplating the reality we're going to be one of these two models. We're going to either uh, voluntarily uh, recognize that the Great Commission, as it's given to us in Acts 1-8, where God says, I want you to do it all, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost, or if we kind of lag behind on that, what could happen is what we find here in Acts 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Verse number 5 tells us, and Philip, one of those that were scattered. We know that Philip was one of those deacons going back here uh, as we read through the text. Acts chapter number 6. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. As a result, verse 12 says that when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And so we must determine, Lord, would you give us that spirit of anticipation, that spirit of voluntarily being involved, proactively in the Great Commission and allowing God to use us not just to evangelize, but evangelize with the purpose of seeing local New Testament churches established. So now in Acts chapter number 8, we're going to look at their progress and we're going to see what God was able to do, not with the leadership in Jerusalem. Remember, the apostles are not going. This is the deacons. This is the church members as a whole. They're scattered because of the persecution. And now we're going to see that God's going to start using them in a powerful way. What can happen in a a very short period of time? I want you to notice up, up at the top, the first 25 years of church planning out of one local church, the church at Jerusalem. I I don't know how old the church is here. I know the the first church that we planted in Fresno goes back to 89. How many years is that? Somebody good at math. 28 years. Wow. So this, in in the time, it seems like we just started that church, you know, just just a few months ago. And uh, 28 years have gone by. This is 25 years out of one local church, and I really want this to impact us tonight because we we need to realize that every church can be used by God in this regard. And so from Jerusalem, there's the scattering in chapter 8, verse 1. And what happens? They're up in Samaria, the Bible says here. They're in the capital city of Samaria. And this city, by the way, in the Old Testament was where um, Jezebel, Ahab had their uh, headquarters of the the northern kingdom. And uh, Philip is led by the Lord there. There's other scattered believers that are moving there. And there is a great reviving that happens in that city. There's people that are getting baptized. And so we see a nucleus of a local church is fashioned there. And if we took the time to read on from Acts,
Acts chapter number 8, we're going to see that it's not just one church that's going to pop up in Samaria. For instance, the Bible tells us in this very same chapter that uh, Peter and John are curious about what God's doing in Samaria. Look at verse 14. And when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. And so now Peter and John, they're, they're checking up on the membership. They're checking up on deacons that are being used by the Lord, others that are scattered about, those that are sharing the good news gospel, folks that are being saved and baptized. And the next thing you know, uh, Peter, John, they go up and they're rejoicing in what God is doing in Samaria. Now let me tell you something. It was Jesus Christ that laid the groundwork for the church in Samaria. Remember from John chapter number 4? Remember the woman at the well that was gloriously saved there at uh, uh, Sychar in Samaria? And remember the words of Jesus Christ as he admonished them, I have meat to eat that you know not of? And he said, look onto the fields. They're white, all ready to harvest. What was he saying? He was saying people in Samaria can be saved. People in Samaria with rough backgrounds like that woman, she can be saved. And and God can do a transformational work. And so Samaria, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, received the gospel. Matter of fact, look at verse 25 for just a moment. We're in Acts chapter 8 for those that are coming in. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So it wasn't just the cities of Samaria that got the gospel, but the villages. I believe with all my heart that every community needs a body of believers, a local church where people can be transformed through the glorious gospel message, and that there's no community too small or too big for God to work. And, and so the emphasis was, let's just get to where the people are and uh, see God build his church. Now, I put a little flame, a second flame up there in Samaria because of what we learn in chapter number 9. Turn to Acts 9 with me, and I want you to see verse number 31. Then had the churches, again, we saw this yesterday, didn't we? Churches, the first time it's plural. In the scripture, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. So there are churches plural in Samaria. There are churches plural in Galilee. There are churches plural in Judea. And all this is taking place out of the church at Jerusalem. And God is using that congregation in a powerful way to impact their region for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know how many more in Samaria were started, but because the word is churches in Samaria, there's got to be at least two. I know that much. All right. Now, it could be five. It could be ten. I don't know. But I do know there's at least two if there are churches in Samaria. So we'll just leave it at the two uh, for our purposes here this evening, all right? Now, as we're reading through this, we recognize that the apostle uh, uh, Peter is being engaged, John's being engaged, others are being engaged in seeing this good news gospel 
But in particular, in this text, it's Philip. I don't know how many deacons we have here today, but can I tell you from our personal experience in ministry, God has shaken up uh, our, our leadership team in uh, different churches that God allowed us to be a part of. And uh, as I look back at some of those that God used in seeing churches planted, and, and I don't want to put pressure on you guys, but it was the deacons of our local church that God just started to put a burden on their heart to be used. And you're going to see some of the faces of some of those deacons that yielded to the Lord uh, to train so that they could be involved in this mission of churches reproducing churches, all right? So as we read through the text, something happens here. Would you go back with me to chapter 8, the very end of the chapter? So we know churches are, are, are cropping up here in um, Samaria, but God begins working in Philip's heart, and uh, he's sending him on an errand uh, to share the gospel with an Ethiopian, a eunuch, on his way there to Egypt. And we have the whole story there at the end of chapter number 8, but I want to focus on verse 40 for just a moment. And Philip was found at Azostus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, we're going to see some of these cities that are going to be impacted, but sometimes when we read the Bible devotionally, we just read through and there's cities that come up, and we read the name and we skip on to the next, and we really don't know that community. You know, before we came to Ireland for this uh, past week of our, our holiday before this week, we knew names of communities, but they didn't mean much to us until we actually got there. And then we started driving through them, and we thought, oh, so this is Cork, right? And, uh, and uh, all the different communities that God allowed us to just enjoy on this trip, sometimes in the Bible because it's not real to us. We just read over these names. But in history, we see that Philip is used now After he shares the gospel, he goes down to the coastal area of the Mediterranean. And there in Azostus, they start preaching the gospel as he works his way up the coast. And we have an indication of some of the fruit of that ministry in the following chapter. So let's go back to chapter 9. And again, I'm just going to highlight some of these cities that are mentioned here. Look at verse 32. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt in Lydda. And there he found a certain man. And so it starts talking about this community uh, that Philip passed through. It's one of the coastal communities. Matter of fact, verse 35 tells us this. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him, this is Peter, and turn to the Lord. Now, what if I told you that uh, uh, there was a preacher that came to Dublin and everybody that heard him turned to the Lord? Would that be amazing? Now, do you suppose after all these people turning to the Lord that there might be a local church that would be left behind? Can you imagine every neighbor you have on your street knowing the Lord? Imagine what it would be just to go out and everywhere you look there's another brother or sister in Christ. This is a community. And of course, there's going to be a local church that's going to be left behind. This is going to be one of those plural churches of Judea, the Judean coast that goes up. 
But the Bible tells us not only in Leda, but Saren, all in these two communities, they saw him and turned to the Lord. So we're going up the coast, Azosta, uh, Leda, uh, Saren, and, and, and one by one we're seeing uh, the bigger picture. Uh, we're recognizing that one local church is having an impact in many other communities. And that God is being glorified as the simplicity of the gospel is moving forward. People, one by one, are coming to trust Jesus. They're being baptized. And local churches are being established. Well, the Bible goes on and tells us now about another city up the, up the Judean coastline. Verse 36. Now there were at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha. Uh, we know her as Dorcas and, and what took place there. Now I need you to go to 42. Many of us know that marvelous story, but I want, you to, I want to emphasize here verse 42. And it came and it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. And so one by one, these cities are being impacted. People are coming to know the Lord. People are being baptized. And, and there is now such an impact in a region for the cause of Christ. Yes, Samaria. We don't know how many, but we do know here these cities are being mentioned specifically. People are being saved. People are being baptized. We, we need to understand also that local churches are, are, are developing here so that they can be taught and trained uh, concerning the Christian life. Uh, you know, in Judea, think of all the other cities that may have had churches. Do you think Bethany maybe had a church there? Lazarus, of course, his sisters. Uh, think of some of the other cities. Uh, how about Emmaus? You suppose those disciples that actually walked with Jesus after the resurrection, they had a story to tell? Folks that lived there? Folks, when we think of all the different cities and all the believers from these cities and all the churches that are, are now beginning, it's maybe not as large as the church at Jerusalem. Maybe just a handful. Maybe, maybe just enough to, to meet in a house, like as we uh, uh, learned in Philippi, Lydia. She opened up her home to have a new church started. Folks, it doesn't have to necessarily be a grand building like this. It could be someone's living room. You know, a, a church, I know in our, our mindset, it's a building. But the truth is... A church could meet anywhere because the church is a body of believers. And God can do it. Uh, God, God could start a church underneath the tree. Uh, just people gathering together in someone's garage. Uh, you know, it, it's an amazing thing. When we first started the church in, in Fresno, California, we were trying to rent a home, and, and I saw it was a finished garage, and I said, you know what? We could meet in there. We could have services in there. And uh, when we started that church, I was telling your pastor, uh, we did everything wrong on that church plan. That first Sunday, uh, I had one truck driver that came in and sat at the service. So I had five little children at the time. My wife was playing the piano. I was leading songs. I thought, well, this is just so exciting. And, and uh, here the one truck driver comes, and my kids just like a magnet uh, sit on both sides of him. And he's thinking, this is cold. You know, what is going on here? And uh, we're singing, and I'm preaching, and I, I said, now listen, you don't want to stay for the morning service. I'm sure more people are going to show up. And uh, thank the Lord, five others came, but he slipped out. 
and was never seen again. Uh, it was just a little too strange for him. But thank the Lord for the five that came. Listen, you don't have to have dozens and dozens of people. You, you just have to be available to let God use you to see, yes, even in a small thing, God can be glorified. And, and God can build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and we just have to have a, a, the vision that he had. Uh, not maybe uh, our own vision. So these churches are starting to develop in Judea. They're, they're developing there in Samaria. But the Bible also tells us that they're developing, according to verse 31 of Acts 9, also in Galilee. So that would be north of Samaria. All right, so we have to put a couple uh, uh, flames up there in Galilee. Think of all the places that Jesus walked. Think of where these disciples lived, all right? Think of the impact and, and the ministry of our Savior and, and then the churches. We know at least there has to be two. If there are churches in Galilee, uh, but uh, we don't know how many. This evening, I just want us to focus on one local church being obedient to the Great Commission. Just one local church that says, we believe Acts 1.8. And uh, we believe that God wants to use us both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. And we're going to use our resources. We're going to use our people. We're going to send out others that they can strengthen Peter and John. uh, That more can be added. That God can be glorified. That in in a region, uh, the light of the gospel can shine. And God wants to do that in each and every local church. I believe the church of Jerusalem is the pattern for every New Testament church. And somewhere along the line, the pattern got distorted. Somewhere along the line, we lost the focus that Jesus had for reaching the world. Do you realize that this generation is required by God to reach our world in our generation? I can't go back 50 years and do anything about that generation past. And the truth is, I can't in time. And I can't do anything if the Lord tarries about future generations. The only generation that I have an opportunity to impact is this generation that I'm living in. And so I want to be as close to the New Testament as I possibly can in practice. All right? As Baptists, we say the Bible is our only rule of faith and practice. And yet I, I know so many pastors that they're so overwhelmed with so many other duties that the practical practice of multiplying disciples and multiplying leaders and multiplying churches is lost in the busyness of ministry. And we really need to get back to the Bible plan and ask God to allow that to become our local church making an impact in our region for the glory of God. All right? So here we have uh, another church that's mentioned in chapter number 9. As you go up to Damascus, there's a church there. Um, uh, We see that Saul of Tarsus is going to be saved on the road to Damascus. He's going to be baptized in the community. There are believers already there that will help him escape. And so we're starting to see a pattern here that everywhere God's people are scattered, what happens? Churches are left behind. Opportunities for people to get saved and plugged into a ministry are left behind. 
That is God's New Testament pattern. All right? So we saw Jerusalem emphasis. First uh, seven chapters, we saw Samaria, what God was doing there. We saw Judea and what God was accomplishing in city after city. And now we're going to go to the uttermost. Now, here's the problem, many of us. Maybe it's because we were ingrained with our Sunday school teachers and we were taught about the first missionary journey and Paul's second missionary journey and third missionary journey that we've confused missions a little bit. I believe what was taking place was nothing more than the original pattern Jesus established for churches reproducing churches. So when the Antioch church is developed, it was natural for them to do what the Jerusalem church was doing. See, the Jerusalem church had already set the pattern of missions. The Jerusalem church was already looking beyond their walls. The Jerusalem church was burdened about Judea and Samaria and Syria, Damascus. Matter of fact, as we read through the text, we see that they are continuing to move forward as scattered ones, getting the gospel out. Now let's go to chapter 11 for just a moment. Acts chapter number 11. Gentiles are getting saved and they're rejoicing. And we, we know that the Antioch church is a Gentile church and, and uh, we know that God's going to use this church in a powerful way. But let's just look at the text for a moment. Verse 19 is key. Now, they which were scattered abroad. Help me. Who were those that were scattered abroad? Everyone except who? The apostles. It's the same group from Acts 8. They're not done. It's not like, all right, we got Judea covered and we got churches springing up. Or, boy, Samaria's got the gospel and we're finished there. No, these same scattered ones continue and we see that now they find themselves up in Antioch and the Bible tells us here that it's in Antioch that we see this many souls being saved and and, and many young Christians that need to be developed and and grow in discipleship and and Barnabas is the key man here and he's thinking, who am I going to get to help me? And oh yes, Saul and Tarshish. I'll go get Saul and bring him down. And we'll be able to train these people. For what? To stay in Antioch? No. Train the people so that they can be used by God also to make an impact in their world for the cause of Christ. Church planting is evangelism that leads to churches being planted. That's what it is. It's, it's basic. It's, it's not rocket science. understand that in every culture you're going to have to uh, recognize what's going on in that community. But the bottom line is it's just evangelizing, seeing people saved. Naturally, they want to obey the Lord in baptism and then establishing a local church. It's simplistic. It's reproducible. It's something that others can do. Um, in the book of Acts, we have the, the Greek word for uh, preaching, all right? Philip preached, the Bible says there in Acts chapter number 8. And most of the time you find the English word preach, it's the word that we use for evangelizing. So when Philip went up to Samaria to preach, that is the word. And we find it over and over again in the word of God. Our English translation, preach, preaching, 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 but it's evangelize. 
And folks, that was the heartbeat of these people. It was, let's just go out and share the good news. Let's just go to this community and share what God's done in transforming our life. And sometimes people responded very uniquely. Philippi is the jailer. Responds, what must I do to be saved? I'm still waiting for that person to walk up to me and say, what must I do to be saved? Maybe I need to spend the night in jail, all right? And, and an earthquake and all the rest of it. But uh, uh, it's an amazing thing how God begins to work when your heart is set to want to evangelize in an area. And, and it may be just a small nucleus. But oh, what God's able to do through the simple work of preaching. Um, I'm going to pass over here this area here. We dealt with Spurgeon a little bit. I, I, I use this primarily for preachers to encourage them uh, concerning the work of an evangelist. And I, I really believe that all Philip was doing, Philip is the evangelist in the New Testament. All Philip was doing was being used by God to evangelize the lost for the purpose of seeing churches established. And I believe we need that gift in the church today. And I wish more of our evangelists would get, I mean, their hands involved in church planting because that's the giftedness that we need uh, to see more churches planted for the glory of God. Uh, Acts 21.8, we see Philip is an evangelist. Timothy was told to do the work of the evangelist. He was to train up others in the local church. Ephesians 4 tells us about that gift. All right. So out of Antioch, we see now this church planting trip on purpose that God's going to accomplish. And let's, let's see what happens out of Antioch. All right, We saw what happened out of Jerusalem. Sadly, any local church today would be thrilled to be able to say, God used us in this community, and this community, and that community. And God used us to see a church over here on the coast. And God used us to see this church. And, and it, it maybe wasn't, you know, hundreds coming to Christ. It may have just been uh, a, a, a single woman or a family here or there. But, oh, God started to get glory as these churches started to grow. Uh, uh, and, and so let's look at the text here um, this, uh, uh, this evening as we see what God is now going to continue to do. All right, so I need you to go with me to Acts chapter number 13. Acts 13. Again, you're going to know this as the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey. I want you to see that it's a local church that's on board with the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Look at verse 2 of Acts 13. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now we're going to see that the local church is on the same page as the Holy Spirit of God. The local church is willing to send to their very best, very unselfish. They understand that the Holy Spirit is desiring to see a, a thriving church there, but also there's other, reach, there's other areas beyond that need to be reached. And so the Holy Spirit is sending them forth. So they go to this island of Cyprus. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that in just a moment. And they are preaching the gospel. And it's about this time, remember, that John Mark came along with them. And uh, just as they leave Cyprus and they start getting up to an area where God's going to just use them to see several churches started, John Mark gets a little discouraged and goes home. And 
I just pause there and I go, we missed out on so much. Think of these churches that are now going to be started that he could have been, I mean, right there seeing it. But, you know, sometimes we get discouraged in the work. And there's pastors that are missing out on the blessing because they're discouraged. And, uh, and, and uh, they're so weighed down that they don't see the potential of what God could do uh, through them, even in other works. And so uh, the, the text tells us what God begins to do in this area. And uh, we're not going to take verse by verse, but many of us would know that Antioch of Basidia, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, these are all cities now that are going to get the gospel and the Bible declares to us at the very end of that church planning trip uh, that we're going to see that there are uh, folks that are going to be um, uh, commended to the Lord. Uh, they are going to, after that uh, uh, first church planning trip, um, we're going to see elders are going to be added there to those ministries. And then Paul and Barnabas are going to go back to Antioch and report the great things that God has done. And it's something that God wants to do in and through every church. Chapter 14, for just a moment, would you go there? Verse 23. This is, uh, verse 21 tells us, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Now that's an astounding thing to me because I, I recognize that these are baby churches and Maybe the leadership are some of the scattered ones. We don't know. Maybe they've already had some grounding. But they commended these to the Lord. Local churches with relatively new leadership. And, uh, and it's astounding what God is able to do as we just rest in God's ability to build his church. Jesus said, I'll build it. That takes a weight off of my shoulders. It's not my responsibility. The Lord said he would build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so now we're starting to see a little bit of the glory of these multiplying ministries. All right? Now let's go to the end of chapter 15 for a moment because God gives us a couple other clues about some other churches that are being planted. Look at verse 37. Chapter 15, and Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. So they're getting ready to take that second trip. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren uh, unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Again, we would read over that very quickly, but did you see that? There's more churches that have been started. Where are they? Well, according to the text here, they're in Cilicia and they're in Syria. And they're plural. How did they start? Paul was at Iconium and Lystra and Derby. How did these churches start? I believe there's others from either the church at Jerusalem or we see from Antioch. 
that are going out to these other regions just north of Antioch, Syria south of Antioch, uh, uh, Calicia or Sicilia is just north. And, and by the way, let me say something about both these places. Um, the Bible tells us here that the Apostle Paul came from Tarsus. Uh, Acts chapter 21, some people uh, wonder about where God may want them to go. But here, verse 39, the Bible says, And Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Calicia, a citizen of no mean city. This was a place where Paul was from. We could say it was his hometown. I wonder how many people God brought to Dublin that God brought you here to be trained so you could go back to your hometown. Paul's going to go back to that region. Why is Barnabas so stubborn? And why do you go to Cyprus all the time? We could go back to Acts chapter 4, and the Bible tells us here that Barnabas had land, and he sold it, and the land was in Cyprus. Why does he on the second trip want to go back to Cyprus? He's learning for burden for the friends that he has, his relatives. It's a very natural thing. And I'll tell you what, who better to reach people in their hometown than those that God maybe has raised up and saved and trained to go back to those communities with the gospel and share it. It's, it, it, it is what happened in the New Testament and it's what can happen today. And so uh, I, I want us to see here, uh, where, does, where does Barnabas go? Verse 39, and the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. He's going back to Cyprus. He's burdened for Cyprus. Oh, all right. Thank you. We'll find it. All right. All right. Back again. All right, let's move on. So that's that second church planning trip. And now as we get to chapter number 16, and we're going to hurry, let's just get that third one in, all right, tonight, and then we'll go. I want us to see here as we begin chapter 16, this is now what we would call that second church planting trip. Uh, Paul has a, a brand new team, right? Dr. Luke is going to be added with him. Silas is going to be added to him. Uh, the scripture goes on and uh, allows us to see that Timothy is going to be added as well. Is it just not wanting to cooperate, all right? That's okay. Is there something I can do on my end to keep that from going to sleep? Not sure, huh? So let's follow what's taking place right from chapter number 16. So the Bible tells us there in Tarsus, that little flame above, there are churches now. And Paul's going to visit those churches down south in Syria. There are now churches that are starting to crop up. We're just going to use two as plural. And now the Bible tells us in chapter number 16 what's taking place. All right. And the Bible Let's pick it up in verse number 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go on to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, and they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. So they're in Galatia. Now, folks, there will be churches that will be started in Galatia. The book of Galatians tells us the letter was written to the churches. Now, this is just 
time Paul's going through, but ultimately we know churches are going to be started there. Uh, they, they wanted to go certain places, Asia. They wanted to go to Bithynia. The Holy Spirit said, now is not the time. Isn't that fascinating? We're going to see churches in all these places, but in God's order, in God's time, as the, the church is sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God and just allowing God to lead them. They find themselves in Troas in Acts 16, and they're going to receive the Macedonian call in Troas. Now, will there ultimately be a church in Troas? Yes. Eutychus, the the great story of why you ought not to fall asleep in church. All right? Uh, He falls out of the window, uh, falls down dead, and uh, has to be... That's in Troas. That's the church in Troas. What I'm telling you is everywhere they go, Everywhere they go, they're evangelizing. And what's left behind? A body of believers. And so here from Troas, they're just waiting on the Lord. God, open up. Where do you want us to go? Macedonian call. Over they go to what we know today is Greece. This is northern Greece. And there in Philippi, we know the story of how God saves a few. The jailer, Lydia, uh, the jailer's whole family gets saved. There from Philippi, uh, we see they go on to Acts 17, where we see uh, Thessalonica. That church is birthed through a riot. And uh, uh, God leaves behind some to see a church established there. They go on to Berea. And uh, we, we see here a church is established in Berea. From there, uh, the apostle Paul goes down to Athens. And then ultimately, Corinth. And at the very south end, Romans 16.1 tells us that there'll be a church in Chancheria. Uh, there were Phoebe. She comes from that church. So all of a sudden, we're putting dots together, aren't we? And we're saying, oh, so these people actually come from this city. And they're believers that have been reached somehow in, in that community. And, and it starts to, I mean, just come alive. Because we realize the potential of obedience in a local church, and what God can do in one generation in impacting literally the known world through their obedience. But it doesn't stop there. That's what we know as the second trip. What about the third trip, all right? Oh, I've got to, did I freeze up? Okay, there we go. Uh, Let's go on here. All right, how about the third trip? Now, we know that the third trip is really going to be spearheaded from a place called Ephesus. And we know by this time that this team that Paul has is growing, and there's folks that are mentioned we're going to see in Acts chapter number 20. The Bible tells us that they're going to spend a space of two years, according to chapter 19, verse 10, in Asia Minor. Remember, first the Holy Spirit said no. Now the Holy Spirit says, go for it. It's wide open. And so we see that from Revelation 2 and 3, all of these churches will come to be. Uh, we're going to see from Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. There are some churches that are not mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3. We'll learn about them in Colossians 4. The letter to the Colossian believers was also to go to Hierapolis and Laodicea. These are also churches that in, are in that area. And uh, uh, what a blessing to start looking at the, the map and start seeing all the impact of what God was doing. Then we can read other letters like Titus. 
And uh, he is told to ordain elders in every city in, in, in uh, um, Crete. And so we don't know how many churches are actually established, but that's his role. That's his job. By the way, I believe every pastor is given the charge to train men for the ministry. You say, where do you get that? Well, every pastor would know that there's two places in the Bible where you're going to learn about the requirements for a pastor and deacons. One of those is in Titus chapter number one. I want you to see this real quick yourself. Because in Titus one, the Bible tells us to Titus, my own son, after the common faith, verse four, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our salvation for this cause. Left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. The very next verse. What's it say? If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children. Do you suppose that was for Titus's benefit? He wouldn't have been a pastor if he didn't meet the requirements. It wasn't for his benefit. It was for those that he was training. Same with Timothy. Things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall teach others also. That's why I believe when Paul admonishes Timothy to do the work of the evangelist, it's do the work of church planting. Train men for church planting. I trained you, you train somebody else. That's the New Testament model. And that's how they were able to do so much for the glory of God. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter number 1. Let's add a few more flames here to the map before we're done. Notice what verse 1 says of 1 Peter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So now we're looking there above Asia, Pontius, Cappadocia, Bithynia. Some of these places that God, the Holy Spirit, said, no, not right now. But later, yes. I really don't believe there's a wrong place to start a church. I, I believe that God in his time will allow us to see maybe that passion or that vision or that dream accomplished. But how can you go to the wrong spot if church planning is nothing more than evangelizing does God love the world? Does God want people in every community to come to Christ? And if he does, then those people need to be nurtured in a local church as the body there. And that's our responsibility, and we have to come back to it. So, folks, uh, and we can go to other places. Uh, also, uh, as uh, we think of Peter, go to the very end of this little book. You've got to love chapter 5, 1 Peter, verse 13. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. Everywhere you read, you hear, oh, there's a church in Babylon. Wow, how the This is New Testament Christianity. This is one obedient church that in a period of 25 years said, we're going to give up our people. We'll give up our lay people. We'll, we'll, we'll just obey the gospel. We'll allow God to have all there is. All there is of us, and just desire to model again a New Testament ministry. 
I'm asking the Lord to do that at, uh, at uh, Crown Point Baptist Church. I'm asking the Lord to help us as uh, we, uh, by his grace, accomplish his work. And we're just getting started. Let me just end with this here tonight. Uh, Ambassador Baptist Church started 28 years ago, and I did not have this vision. I really didn't. Uh, it, it was uh, something on the back burner. We had planted the church, and I thought, well, uh, we did that. That's behind us. Uh, not at that time grasping hold of the fact that God wants us to do it all the time, not just one time when we came. And uh, so God was very gracious to us when he allowed, I told you yesterday, uh, just two years old as a church, Brother Jerry Favor, our song leader, his wife, uh, our pianist, and uh, you know their young family. What a blessing they were. But I tell you, to be able to send them out as a baby church ourselves to go see a church planted was one of the most fulfilling uh, things in all the world. We, we, we felt like we had come full circle in ministry, that now there are folks that are going out to accomplish the work. And it didn't stop there. That was uh, a work that started up in Sandpoint, Idaho. Uh, but uh, in Los Banas, California, we had a burden for that community. And uh, one of our deacons from a former ministry went off to Maranatha, Brother Butler. Maybe he was there when you were there. He went to college with his two sons. They all three went to ministry together. Uh, uh, two of them are pastoring today. And uh, it was a privilege as a pastor to have a part. And when he finished Bible college, he called me up and he said, Pastor, can I come? And, uh, and would you help us to plant a church? So he came from Bible college home. He worked in our church for the next month, uh, 12 months, and then we sent him out to see uh, a church started there, uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church in Los Banas. We had a young man. I told you we were burdened about that uh, college community yesterday, uh, yesterday in Merced, and Brother uh, Andy Doss came to us, was with us six months, and we had the privilege of going into Merced, uh, seating it with the gospel, and seeing that local church planted for the glory of God. The very last church we planted when I was still pastor at Ambassador Baptist Church was Victory Baptist Church. And uh, we thank the Lord for Brother Ricky Owens, for his young family, for the privilege we had to see that church established, and it's growing. And uh, I believe it won't be long before they're going to be able to reproduce a church. And then I was the one that surrendered for the fifth church to, to, to resign and to go out. We've been sending out others, and God put it on our heart to go on out. And so uh, from Ambassador Baptist Church, then we were sent out of that local uh, church to see Crown Point Baptist Church established, and we had some help, uh, Brother Jason Betts and his wife. And uh, the story doesn't end there. Uh, Victory Baptist Church up there in Idaho, that first church, guess what? They got burdened about starting a church. And they went close to where they were and started this congregation and uh, we started to see a grandbaby church. Boy, kids are fun, but grandkids. Wow, that, that is really fun. And, and so we started to see uh, they were planning now the stages for a second church that they were going to plant. Uh, there in Lighthouse Baptist Church, uh, Brother um, Butler here, had a, some of you remember 9-11 uh, back in the States, um, it was that week that we were starting the church. And it was that Tuesday night when the towers fell that a young couple came. The wife wasn't saved. The man was, but he was far away from God. 
came to that service that we were starting that church that Tuesday night, and God gripped his heart. His family ultimately got saved. He, he started to be trained in that ministry, and God used him uh, to see uh, another church in Lathrop, California, started. We mentioned Brother Doss. He had a burden for the city of Madeira, and his brother-in-law went there uh, to start a church out of the Merced Baptist Church, Lathrop out of Lifehouse Baptist Church, Victory Baptist uh, Church. They're uh, seeding the gospel in several communities right now, looking for those initial folks that will be a part of that local church. And it's astounding what can be done uh, when, when a local church just says, let's be faithful. And I'm looking forward to the day when Crown Point Baptist Church, a church I pastor now, will be able to multiply itself and see other churches started. Folks, this is the New Testament. This is the pattern. And this is what God wants us to be excited about and be involved in and and recognize that it it isn't rocket science, it's obedience. And, And if God will just allow us to have the privilege of before he comes, to see just a little bit of what the church at Jerusalem saw. Oh, what joy we'll have one day when we stand before the Lord. I close with these comments of the Apostle Paul as he's writing to that church plant at Thessalonica. And he says these words in chapter 2, verse number 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Now, sometimes we think about the crowns. Pastors, we think about the crowns. You know what Paul said about his crown? Look at it. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? You know what Paul said about the church at Thessalonica? Paul said, you're my crown. this church he said it to the church at philippi philippians chapter number four therefore my brethren dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown so stand fast in the lord my dearly beloved he saw that congregation as his crown i wonder how many pastors are going to have crowns how many churches have crowns that they're going to be able to cast at the feet of the savior i believe in revelation chapter number four listen the only thing we can take to heaven Jesus Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for our walk through the New Testament, uh, an opportunity for us to see what you did in years past and what you want to do today. God, would you burden our heart about what you would have us to do, and we'll thank you for uh, the blessing of seeing lives transformed and communities reached for your glory. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.